Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigms run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Welcome to Unloose the Goose, episode 47. We're going to talk about modern day slavery today. And on the show today, we, we're, we're experimenting with StreamYard. So Jack Spierko of the Survival Podcast has set up a StreamYard um, feed. So thank you very much. And we'll be doing that. But And I'm Nicole Sauce from I'm Living Free in Tennessee. Let's talk about first, what are you drinking, Jack? I've got- I'm trying to be good. So I'm drinking Lime LaCroix as I get yeah. used to this reversed camera here. But I've, I've infused <laughs> it with um, orange bitters. And cherry bitters, but no booze. And it's, okay. it's a pseudo cocktail. It's, I'm not going to call it a mocktail. I'm going to call it an attempted mocktail. An attempted mock. So not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. I'm still working on it. All right. This, this is a, a bottle of, uh, Moikov VS cognac that Eric gave me at my spring mm. workshop. Yeah. And you win. It's, it's been a day. We just got five new pigs on the homestead. So. That was a fun thing, but I've been worried the whole time because it's the first pig situation. I want to remind you guys, and um, I hear I'm echoing on yours. We're getting that feedback from the comments. Mm, I don't hear you, but I know what to do about it. Keep going. Yeah. So we are going to jump into a news cycle today as Jack puts his headphone on. And I want to remind you guys to put any comments or questions in all caps in the feed just so we can see them. So Bobby, Joe, thank you so much for letting me know about the echo. So this might be an issue that people aren't expecting to hear from us, but modern day slavery as enforced by the state came up as a, I kind of jokingly said, well, if we're going to do a news thing, we need to do the free Britney topic, right? Absolutely. Jack was like all over that. So let's, can you give me a synopsis, Jack, of what's happened with Britney Spears and why this brings up the idea or the concept of modern day slavery? So apparently, I mean, I don't know an awful lot about Britney Spears. I, I, I know of one song she did, um, hit me baby one more time. Like that's the only thing I know about her musical career, but also she's obviously very talented for the space she's in and she makes millions of dollars every year. And apparently she had problems. Over 10 years ago, it was 11 or 15 or something years ago like that. And she was placed under a conservatorship where basically her father and one other or two other people control her life. And my understanding of it up till now was it was just her money. Like Mm -hmm. they decided whether or not she could spend money because that way she wouldn't go out and like overdose on crack or something. Um, That was many years ago. She's done a great job as far as doing shows she's functional and she recently petitioned the court i don't need this anymore i want to be released from this conservatorship and the court said no and this is this woman's in her 30s and this is to the point of like one of the things she wants to do is have a child Mm -hmm. like a lot of women in their 30s might want to do tick tick the biological clock goes her conservators say that she cannot have a child. And I don't know exactly how you manage to do this, but they're forcing her to use birth control. 
They're telling her when and where she has to work down to the costumes that she has to wear. So, like, if a studio wants her to do a certain thing and she's like, you know, I really don't want to do that, they're telling her you have to do this. Mm -hmm. And they have complete control of her money. She can't even remodel her home unless they approve of what and how she does. It's like being a child and having somebody control tens of millions of dollars annually that this woman is generating. And I know people have this mindset of like, oh, screw it. It's a pop princess. Who cares? That's just like, like it's, um, what's that show? Z or whatever. Uh, TMZ, right? Like it's some like that's, this is mm -hmm. TMZ stuff. Like who vomited outside their Mercedes or their <laughs> Lamborghini or whatever. No, this is like, this is equivalent to me in a way similar to like Twitter banning Trump. You can hate Trump, but if a social media company can get away with banning the president of the United States ability to communicate, then who can't they do it to? So if the court can order, and this conservatorship is not designed to be used the way it's even being used. It is not designed to be used on a person that maybe lacks some judgment in how they spend their money. It's really designed for... Let's say that I was your dad, Nicole, and yeah. I started kind of, you know, forgetting what my name was. And basically yeah. I had some money, I had some wealth, and I am, uh, I have advanced Alzheimer's. And there's a danger that I might give all my money to somebody that calls me on the phone or, uh, that I might set my house on fire if I'm left unsupervised or something like that. Mm -hmm. Not because I'm bad, just because I've lost, that's what this is for. And it's been used for 13 years, if I have the number right, to control Britney Spears. And there is no legitimate argument at this point, I think, that could be made that it's necessary. And because the judgment was initially issued, it's, it's just the, the new judge just basically said, nah, sorry. Yeah. So I've dug a little deeper than you. And what okay. the judge said no to, she wanted her father removed as conservator. Okay. She can still request the conservatorship be dissolved. And that happened sometime this month. Um, cause I was like, wait, how is this even possible? Like she had a total, like huge public mental meltdown, apparently yeah. went on antidepressant drugs, lost custody of her children. It was all part of a divorce and was placed in this conservatorship, which everybody thought she supported. And then this year, There was a marketing campaign that sort of started before this particular thing happened last month where then she free read Brittany. a statement. Yeah, free Britney. And then she read a statement about all these things. They won't let her take her IUD out. So that's how they're keeping her on okay. birth control. She okay. probably let it go in originally, but those yeah. things last a long time. And you have to have a, a doctor take them out. And and she wants to basically have children with her boyfriend. I think she wants to marry him, too, and can't. Okay. So there she is. Her father has control of her money and puts her on an allowance. Every decision of the shows she's supposed to perform in and all of that's made, just as you said. And it's been interesting watching the fallout of this because as it's become more public, the one thing in our in our society that seems to endure is that when you make people embarrassed, they start behaving right. Mm. So the money management firm that takes care of her money has requested to be let out of that agreement because she doesn't agree and her manager quit. And I think there was another side to the conservator 
like a co-conservator to her father also resigned. Yeah. I didn't hear that. Yeah. And maybe that's where I, I listen. See, I don't really pay attention to a lot of shit like this anymore, yeah. but it does bother me that anybody who has basic mental faculties mm-hmm. and, and clearly is capable enough to have the discipline to like do your show every week in Vegas or whatever and make this kind of money, they might lack judgment. They yeah. might be stupid with their money. They have a right to be, but what this commentator said, and it must have had something to do with specifically requesting the father be removed, that a judge yeah. can only rule on what they're asked to rule on. So maybe now that she, I want the whole thing gone, so maybe she actually liked the idea of having a check on her own spending. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you can do that in other ways, right? You can have... um I mean, it, it would be really easy for her to set up some sort of uh, corporation, put it under uh, a board with a chairman subject to her terminating them, but basically mm-hmm. pay herself a salary out of it. So that controls the cash flow. Or so there's so many ways to ha- if you think you just spend money too easily. Right. There's a lot of ways to to handle that. You know, I it, to me, it's just disturbing that a person could be placed under this level of another human being's control and enforced by law. Right. At the same time, I have a, a relative with advancing Alzheimer's that at some point I'm the one who is fiduciary and medical responsible party in their life. Mm. If other things fall through. And I look at the conservatorship as something that might have to happen. Sure. Sure. And, and so it's kind of a weird thing where you're like, there's this legal structure that might have to be used. Um, and when somebody legitimately loses their mind, well, how do you help take care of them with their money so they don't run off and spend it all and then they can't afford their liver cancer treatments or whatever comes down the pipe? Or their end-of-life care. I mean, yeah. you know, there, there's a point with that illness that you really can't take care of a person in your home. You just yeah. can't do it anymore. Um, we definitely went through it with my father-in-law. Yeah. We never actually had to go to conservatorship with him, though. We just, you know, while he was still here, we had him do a power of attorney, granting my wife power of attorney. And then, you know, you just make sure that the things he can access doesn't have too much in it. So if he wants to do something, as long as he can't really harm himself with it, if he wants to spend a couple hundred bucks, he should not, nah, whatever. It's the end of his life. But, you know, he's not going to end up signing his life away then. Right. So that's kind of how we handled that. But what I heard, and again, I don't know a ton about this, is that there are people out there, lawyers, et cetera, that use this law, specifically in California, that if there's a person that starts to make this turn and they don't have a family member, there's like law firms that like they just go out and, say, yeah. and they just say, hey, this person can't anymore, and they become their conservator yeah, with nobody approving it. And then they chart, so they don't. You know, there is a fiduciary responsibility there. Like, so they don't go out and buy themselves yachts with this person's money, but they're basically charging a fee to manage their income until they die. And it's paid for out of this person's money. Yeah. And this person nor anybody else had any say in it. And it's apparently happened where the person does have somebody, but that person was unaware of the problem. So there was somewhere Mm -hmm. in the line of of, a familial relationship, somebody that could have said, hey, I got this. And then by the time they find out and I'm like, you know, I'm his uncle, I'm his brother, whatever. Well, this person has conservatorship. So if you're you're in dispute, you have to sue them. And now you're trying to sue a law firm. To me, that's another form of slavery. Maybe the person, maybe the person does need this, 
But but if there's anybody in their family or their friends or whatever that could be doing it for them, it shouldn't be some stranger's law firm that doesn't really care about them. They just basically, you know, they make sure that they don't give all their money to, I don't know, Joe Blows. Or whatever. Yeah, who knows, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't get a, a card from Make-A-Wish Foundation, see the little kid on it, and like, how much money's in my checking account? $80,000. She looks like she could use it. Like, yeah. that that can happen. Yeah, it's it's interesting and it kind it, it the structure itself is questionable if you can't then opt yourself back out, right? If you yeah. can opt yourself in and opt yourself out, I could see using that as a tool. If you can't opt yourself out, there needs to be some way to check it and and I do think that power of attorney arrangement that a lot of people use seems to be a much gentler and kinder way to take care of people who need care, because it's not that there isn't a need to care for people who lose their faculties, right? Mm -hmm. It's that if you can use something like that, it's like they found a loophole. <laughs> if you can use yeah. something like that to control the enormous wealth of one family member who's supporting all the other family members and charge fees for that and all of those things, that's abuse, yeah. I mean, and we're talking with Brittany, you're talking about somebody who was a child star. So there's, you know, that, what does that do to you mentally to begin with? And then it's been that way her whole life that she's been this superstar. So I don't, I mean, who knows where she is mentally, but I mean, I guess her, her doctors probably do, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think child star alone has, has problems there. But like, so the other side of this to me is I really didn't think of it until you, talked about being able to opt out of it. This law was never designed for someone to exit it. Right. Because it was never designed to be used the way it's being used here. If I have dementia and and you're my sister and yeah. you've done this, I'm never getting better. I'm and that's this law was specifically my I could be wrong, I'm not an attorney and I certainly don't live in California. But my understanding and the way this has been reported, this law was made for dementia. That's mm -hmm. what it's for. So there's not – because to me, if like, well, we think Jack is like going to have a complete meltdown and, you know, pop down uh, 400 uh, tabs of meth and uh, kill himself and blow all his money, so we're going to put him in this thing, it should have come with an expiration date. Yeah. I shouldn't have to file to make it go away. You should have to file and show cause to maintain it. Right. And that, so, so like, and there might even be something like that. And then you have to wonder, was it this form chosen because the dad's attorney was like, this is the way to keep this perpetual? Because I don't know about you, but if I was freaking Britney Spears right now, I'd be like, oh, okay. Vegas show? Nah. Nah. Yeah. And, and she actually can do that. Yeah, I would just sit down and make him try to make it. There's a certain point where you, you can't make people do what they're not going to do. Or you walk out on the stage and go, every one of you needs to immediately turn around right now and go back and demand your money back because I'm not performing because I have not been granted my freedom and I need your assistance in supporting me and getting disconnected from this. And like, yeah, that, that's what I would do. I mean, I would just, I'm not doing anything at all, do not spend any money on anything associated with me at right. all until I am released from this. And you almost wonder, like, if she does have her shit together, why that hasn't happened yet. It may be because in spite of how miserable she is, she does have a ton of money anyway. And she doesn't want to give it up either, I guess. I don't know. Or maybe 
you know, with somebody with that kind of control over you, where you can't even get your IED removed. Right. You have a mental state of like, well, I better not. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I find it disturbing. Well, I mean, that is what it is. Um, she's, she's in a situation where she's kind of locked unless she gets let out this. So if she doesn't get let out this month, her only option left is the option we all have, right? Which is non-compliance. Non-compliance. So she's been compliant and she has continued to make, you know, the money for the estate. But at this point, she's, she's non-compliant is it, that's what she has left. But I think for, I, I'm expecting that her lawyer is going to be good enough because she has a lawyer that he will, um, apply to dissolve the conservatorship. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens. If that doesn't happen, first of all, the outcry from all her supporters is going to be insane. You would but, think. Then, but then next, she's going to have to do what you do and what you just said to do, which is just, tell everybody to go demand their money back. Yeah. You think that's easy. <laughs> I don't think it's easy. <laughs> because, well, I mean, not from the money standpoint, but from yeah. the standing up standpoint. Yeah. That's easier for you in the current mindset you have. Oh, okay. I, I control my life, right? Yeah. She's not been brought up that way. Yeah. So she's going to have yeah. to find that piece of herself. And I don't know if it's there or not. It may be pretty well beaten out at this point. And, you know, I, I just throw out an aside for people. If you want to watch a really entertaining movie that, 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 that does a lot of, uh, a lot of kind of looking at the whole child star, pheno- star phenomenon is yeah. that there's an old comedy called Dickie Roberts. Yeah. And David Spade is in it. And it, it's probably the best thing David Spade's ever done. It's, it's freaking hysterical movie. And it's, it's loaded with former child stars. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's, it's a fantastic old movie and it's funny as hell. And he, the, the premise is he never had a childhood and he, you know, he, after his child acting career, he flamed out and he has no career anymore. And he's trying to get back in the game as an actor. He wants to be an actor again. And he goes to Rob Reiner and he wants to be in this movie called somebody's backyard or something. And the guy's like, you're not a normal person because you never had a childhood. So he hires a family to treat him like a child. Oh, that sounds like a good movie. And he wants to do all the things kids are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they do is like play games and stuff. And, and so they're like one of the best scenes in the movie is they, they set up the slip and slide. And so they're going to go down the slip and slide, except he's never done it. And he gets a good running start. And they're like, Dickie, no. And they had turned the water on yet. He goes <laughs> chest first on the dry slip and slide. <laughs> And there's another scene where they have this. That's what like, waxing feels like. Just yeah, I bet. But the nipples, man. That, <laughs> and there's another scene. They have this uh, like crazy, like super ultra Christian neighbors, and uh, the lady's always complaining and all. And uh, when they're out of town, the dog, their dog, comes home with the rabbit from the next door neighbors and mm-hmm. killed it. Right. So Vicky's like, "I'll oh, fix it. I know what to do." So they wash it and they blow dry it and they put it back in the Rabbit hutch. Well, when the neighbors come home, turns out the rabbit died on its own and they had buried it and the dog dug it up. Uh, so they're like, devil rabbit, devil rabbit. <laughs> and then they move out and they get rid of them. It's, it's, it's a good movie. It's a good role, man. That sounds like one I might have to add. I'm just now getting into my man in the high castle. 
Oh, I I love the first two seasons of that, but I ha- I stopped watching it. Yeah, I'm I'm in season two now, so it took me a little while to warm up to it, but it's it's pretty good. That's a pretty so, good transition. I'll just throw in that um, David yeah. Spade generally he's like salt. Uh huh. You want him to have a little bitty part. <laughs> nobody eat, like he's good as a little part, but nobody yeah. eats a plate of salt. That movie he he's actually a good actor. I was surprised. Well, I'll have to check it out. Okay, let's move on to crypto news. Yeah. What what what's what's this Tonga thing you talked about when we so, were talking about this show? So there's a particular I don't remember his name, but there's a particular member of the House of Lords in the Parliament of Tonga who has been doing things like doing Twitter tweets about Bitcoin with laser eyes in it. Yeah. And his his like that's something that like apparently is like a third world nation, developing yeah. nation. Like, like signal from a nation, like we're gonna do Bitcoin. And um, he was recently on a uh, interview with Peter mm-hmm. McCormack uh, from What Bitcoin Did, uh, which mm-hmm. is a great podcast. In spite of the fact they're maximalists, it's still a great podcast. And he was talking about bringing Bitcoin into Tonga, and not necessarily doing what El Salvador did, which is we're going to make it legal tender. They don't have the support net. Like El Salvador had this wonderful little support network called Bitcoin Beach, where all these people went down there and they had this grassroots movement in place. Then Jack Mahler launched Strike on top of it, and then it developed, and then they did this thing. So Tonga is very early. The only people that really use Bitcoin heavily in Tonga are Chinese immigrants. Mm-hmm. And the Tongan natives who get Bitcoin, about the only thing they can do with it on Tonga right now is they can buy retail from the Chinese or they can yeah. sell it to the Chinese at a premium and they're the effective broker. There's no exchanges or anything like that. But he was like, we don't really need to pass any laws. We just kind of need to signal to, because Jack Maulers is already talking to them from Strike. Mm-hmm. Come on in. You can just do it. it. Right? And, and, and just basically clear the rail clear the way and what he what he's described it is he's a very articulate man about bringing the rails of bitcoin in through strike and just mm-hmm. telling people you can no one's going to do anything to harm Nobody you can do anything really yeah. except yeah. for just lock you up and not let you have access to anything that's there, all they can do their problem right now is like Tonga sounds like a cool place that you and I and some other people could go have a party for a couple of months and hang yeah. out with people and teach them about bitcoin you can't go to Tonga right now. Oh. They're locked down 100%. They're not locked down on island. Oh. They're locked down from anybody, including Tongan citizens coming in. Coming home. Yeah. And they were supposed to be locked down in September. I should say locked down. That's locked out. Yeah, they're they're basically quarantined. Yeah, it's an island. They have no COVID. Yeah. They don't want any. You which can't I think, come in. Yeah. I think it's a huge mistake because these places that do this, sooner or later. It's going to come in. And you're going to get just hammered when you do. Like, yeah. Because you're not going to get it the way. Plus, there's 100,000 people on the entire island. Right. I mean, so what's going to happen? A couple hundred people are going to die and it's over. Right? So, mm-hmm. like, you know, anyway. So we can't get a grab. So when he says Mahler come in, it's technologically come in, right? Like right. you can't have a Bitcoin beach on Tonga yet. Mm-hmm. You can't have like outsiders coming in and teaching it or whatever. But to me, it's, it's incredibly encouraging because we've got Tonga now saying, Hey, we want to do this. And this guy is 
equivalent to like a senator in the United States, I guess, because he's in the House of Lords. They're in a very mm-hmm. parliamentary system, very similar to like the United Kingdom. But they are a sovereign nation. Okay. They have never been anybody's colony either. Right. Um, their king back in the 1800s like decided to turn himself and like to look at the UK and Australia and all and said, that's a good model. And he basically took his own power away mm-hmm. and created this parliamentary system. That with right a, there's a good person. Yeah. Yeah. So the king, they still have a king, but he's a constitutional monarch like Queen Elizabeth. Like he right. doesn't actually do anything. So this, this guy's a fairly heavy hitter for Tonga. So if he wants to get something done, he's probably going to be able to get it done. And, and basically all they need is a consensus, not even to do a thing. But like, if this starts up, we're not going to fuck with it. Right. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's basically where he's at. And basically the government's pretty on board with it. So you get Tonga going. Paraguay sounds like it's about to do the whole legal tender thing. Mm-hmm. And I've always said that it takes one of these. Because in other countries, they're like, well, you know, we're getting left behind in this. And we're getting a complete reversal of why Bitcoin's being adopted in these small nations versus the developed world, the Western civilization. Right. We got in because there's money. Cause we, yeah, look- we want to make money on it. We have somebody in the comments who's like, oh, my stuff's worth half. Yeah. Um, imagine you're in a country where... You don't have any access to financial tools. Mm-hmm. And now with nothing more than something that doesn't cost that much to get, like you suddenly have financial tools you never had access to before and you can build wealth. Well, and you can conduct business. Right. Without having somebody jack you, stick a knife in you or a screwdriver in you and take whatever money you have on right. you cash. So let's go back to El Salvador for a second. 70% of El Salvador is unbanked. And most of that 70% can't, it's not because they don't want a bank account. They can't get one. They don't qualify for a bank account. They don't have whatever they need to be able to get a bank account. So they can't write a check. They mm-hmm. can't use a debit card. They can't use a cash app or whatever. But when Strike said, hey, you can get the Strike app, if they have, like, like Nicole said, if you have a phone, Right. Then you can download strike anybody out there right now in the U.S. You can download strike right now. You stick your phone number and they verify it's your phone number. And then you download the app and you have strike and you can start sending and receiving Bitcoin. And it's done on the lightning network. So, you know, where people say, well, you can't buy a taco or a coffee and a scone or whatever. Yes, you can for almost no fees whatsoever. Right. so there's a peer-to-peer option on Strike as well, but you're going to pay normal network fees. But if you use the the Strike payment as a gateway, basically they take, you know, every hour or six hours or whatever it is, they throw all of the transactions to one giant t- transaction off the Lightning Network on chain, and they that's where final settlement lays. Mm-hmm. And people seem to think there's a problem with that because there's a third party or whatever. So every transaction that goes across the Strike Network is settled within an hour probably of when it takes place. When you go to the grocery store right now and you pay with your Visa debit card or your Visa credit card, do you know how long it takes for that to settle, Nicole? Three to seven days. Three to seven days. Mm-hmm. So when people say Bitcoin's slow, it's absolutely positively nonsense. No, in fact, I've had I've had charges reversed 30 days later. 
Mm-hmm. So it's three to seven days, but they can still, for about 30 days, they can still rip it away. Yep. Yep. Now, okay, El Salvador qualifies this, this too, but this is this dude's rationale in Tonga about why they should do this. A huge portion of the Tongan GDP is made up of remittances. Mm-hmm. A huge portion. And it's not just from the, there's a lot of Tongans that end up in the United States, but there's a ton that end up in like New Zealand, Australia, et cetera, uh, into like Malaysia, Sri Lanka, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And they earn money and they send it home. It costs them about 30% to send that money home, assuming the person they're sending it to has a normal means by which to receive it. If you're talking Western Union, by the time it's all said and done, it could be 40, 50%. But the average is 30. So just by using Bitcoin in the strike network, they can take that 30% to zero. Mm-hmm. So that takes all these remi- – this can increase their GDP by – About 15%, the country's entire GDP, about half of it's made of remittances. So think about what that means to a tiny country, that their GDP can go up 15% in real money. That's a lot. In real money. Yeah. And then his other point was, so if you're – let's say you live in Tonga, Nicole, and I'm your brother, and I went to Australia, and I got a good job, and I'm sending Mm -hmm. you some money every month. Yeah, yeah. Now, you've been able to survive on 30% less than you're getting. So initially, when I, when the amount you get goes up, you might just spend it and increase your quality of life. But eventually, you'll figure out, wait a minute, this is more than I need because obviously mm-hmm. I didn't need it because I survived without it. So right. some portion of that, you'll start to stack, you'll start stacking sats, as they say in, mm-hmm. in the Bitcoin world. So like for the first time ever, a lot of Tongans may begin to actually accumulate wealth. And this has already happened in El Salvador. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the th- like I mentioned that the king of of Tonga took away his own power, right? Gave up his own power without anybody asking him to. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people because our government is such a pile of crap, such a pile of greedy bastards out for themselves, such a pile of you know lobbyist garbage, can't get around their around their head around the fact that. Some of these smaller countries, even in fact, that are full of corruption and everything, basically the people that are in the top levels of government are really trying to better the lives of their people because their people's lives suck. And generally, you don't get a, you don't go into politics if you live in El Salvador and you're wealthy. Right. It's like the really rich people want to be pre- like in, in the United States, rich people want to be politicians. Yes, because you get richer. You get richer and you get more control and you throw your buddy shit like. Yeah. In El Salvador, rich people want to shelter their taxes from the United States, <laughs> right? So these people are actually trying to do what's right for their people, and it's in their own best interest to do so. And some of them have much more sane limits of power than we do. Like we think of, we're the best, we're number one. We're El Salvador, I didn't know this, like the guy that's president right now, like he has only so much time to get things done. They could do one five-year term. Oh, and that's it. That's it. He's done. Mm-hmm. Like so – He's got to get what he can get done now, and somebody else is going to come in. So he has to go back and live with what he's done. Now, the Tongan dude, like in the House of Lords, he's pretty much in for life. Unless Forever. Quit. Yeah. 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 It's a different thing they have. So what they have there, I found this really interesting about Tonga's government. Mm-hmm. The House of Lords is pretty much the Lords elect other Lords. And there is even some of this hierarchy of family. His yeah. dad was a member. And when his dad died, they elected him into his dad's old position. 
didn't right. have to happen, but was it was going to happen? Yeah. You know, and he was a, he's like well educated. He's a lawyer, and you know, so I mean, it's not like he was like sitting around. I don't know, snorting coke and uh, doing crack and getting money out of China for his dad, and then they, you know, like he was actually legitimately qualified to do this. Um, but they can always lose total control and have no say in who the prime minister is, because the 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 uh, I guess the it's like the House of Commons they call it something yeah. over there. Yeah, always will outweigh the House of Lords. Right. And can always end up not creating a unified government if it chooses to. And they do two-year two-year uh, elections like we do here with the House. Mm-hmm. So, like here, the Senate has all the power, and the House of Lords in a parliamentary system is is like our, their Senate. Right. There, the House of Commons has the power, and it's it's really interesting system, you know. So you have like the stability of the old guard and like the nobility and all that in there, but then you have like this completely, totally democratic body that can pull power away when necessary. And he was talking about how, like, everything they do is based on consensus. They mm-hmm. do not – there's no two part. They don't have two parties. There's no party system. It doesn't exist. Which is great. Yeah. I wish, I wish we didn't have that. I, I find myself as an anarchist actually respecting a government, and that scares me. <laughs> yeah. But then again, okay, so they also had the power to shut the entire country down. Uh-huh. And it, he, he kind of indicated though, like, yeah, you know that thing about the House of Commons being able to take over? There's an election coming up in the fall and the people are really pissed off. <laughs> we need to unpiss them. Well, what'll, no, what'll happen is you'll end up with the House having the majority and deciding we don't need to do this because mm-hmm. the people that are going to get elected are the ones that are gonna be like, we're going to end this shit. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll be the ones that can control who's appointed as the prime minister, who then sets the cabinet. And then, cause and it's then a, that's it. It's equivalent to our president doing an EO, right? An executive mm-hmm. order. They mm-hmm. didn't, the house didn't vote on this. The prime minister said it. And what freaked them out is, so they were supposed to come out of this in August. Yeah. And then New Guinea started having like 200 cases a day. So, oh, we better not. Like, I, so even that's the thing, even if a government sounds good, if you have the power to cease travel, yeah, you have too much power. It's well, and that's true anywhere. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. true here, and yeah. and they're de facto pushing down on that with the, you know, with some of the mandates in order to travel, you have to do this or that in the U.S., which is getting stronger as we go, and yeah. keeping some of us. I mean, I can't go to Europe right now. Is it you that can't go, or is it anybody that didn't get the jab? It's anybody who didn't get the jab. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's interesting to watch that roll out for me, because I used to travel internationally a lot. Yeah. Darcy and I were were looking at a trip next year. Yeah. And we found something that's amazing. It's not even international, but it's a train and then a cruise. And so you, you, you get to Chicago, drive, fly, whatever into Chicago and you travel from Chicago to Seattle and mm-hmm. then you get on a cruise ship and you cruise the Alaskan inside passage. Oh, nice. And it sounded awesome. You have to have a vaccine to use the train or the cruise line. So we're not going done. Yeah. yeah. So we're not going. When are all these alternate networks of not having the jab services going to start up, Jack? I don't know. We and then them. some of them, some of them, I don't know that they can. 
Yeah. So, for instance, the reason you have to wear a mask on an airplane right now. Right. Is it's federal. Mm-hmm. So if Biden, it's down to the fact that literally if Biden issues an EO directing the Department of Transport or Aviation or whatever yeah. to do this, that Delta can be like, we don't want to do this. And the federal government's like, then you don't want to fly airplanes. Right. So I don't know. Like I've been looking at this little, it's like RSX or TSX or something. It's like semi-private, mm-hmm. 20-person jets. And I'm waiting for them to bring up some other legs. And even if you have to wear a mask, I would probably use them if I had to fly if they yeah. went where I wanted to go because of convenience. But I don't know. Can they fly without requiring masks? I don't yeah. know that they can. It's kind of a bummer because, you know, federal aviation says you have to blah. That's like the rules on the plane, right? Yeah. That's a fallback so that the businesses who run those those airlines don't have to be the bad guy. That's all that. They don't is. have to stand up. It's, it's not me. Yeah. It's, it's not daddy. It's mommy, right? Yeah. It's, it, well, we can't have smoking on planes anymore because Fed said. Meanwhile, they were lobbying the feds to say it so they didn't have to have smoking on airlines. Yeah. yeah and, which, you know, it doesn't make me sad, but at the same time, the airline should have manned up and there should have been. If you want to not have smoking on your plane? smoking ones. Yeah. 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 Or, it's, you know, Cause my thing with, I remember, I'm old enough, I remember, you probably do, when they, there was smoking on planes. Yeah. And a, a no smoking section on a plane is about the same as a no peeing section in a pool. Yeah. Right? You can't, there's, now I'm sure there's <laughs> like technology today that like, remember Maxwell yeah. Smart and the Code of Silence? Yeah. And then you know what they should have? If you want to smoke on a plane, you have to pay like an extra thousand dollars. And like the cone comes down and sucks your smoke out. I, mean, like, I don't even think it would be that much. Uh, in Japanese airports, they have these really cool filters that you can smoke uh-huh. time and I can be next to somebody and, and they just filters. suck so hard. It just you... sucks it away and goes through this <laughs> awesome filter and you're done. Yeah. Oh, have you ever been to Atlanta airport and seen the smoking? Yeah. The, the fishbowl. The, oh my God. It's so disgusting. <laughs> it's like. It's like the smoke's this thick off yeah. the ceiling, and there's, like, yellow tar on the windows, and they're, like, all huddled in there, and you're like, you know, I think even if I smoked. Yeah, and you don't even need to smoke in there because you're being smoked for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that we could save money that way. It's I guess a, save, it's a money-saving thing, really. Like, hmm, marble menthol. Flappers <laughs> <laughs> well, has clothes. Close. <laughs> Gross. I'm not smoking anything unless it has that special smell. And then, you know, once in a while. Well, as we're watching more and more smaller, less affluent countries adopt cryptocurrency, I always see it as power to the people. And I know there's a lot of resistance to it. I'm surprised there's so much resistance to it in freedom networks. What do you think all that's about? Because there are people who are like, Oh, it's like mafia money and blah, blah, blah. And we need, if we're going to stop, you know, human trafficking, we need to crack down on Bitcoin. And I'm like, power to the people is happening right now in all of these small countries who are starting to adopt this as normal everyday life. You're empowering the little guy to build their own life, to build their prosperity. Yeah, I mean... I haven't actually encountered a lot of Bitcoin resistance in a liberty community on those tactics. I've heard that from, you know, soccer moms and Karens of society or whatever. What I've, what I've in the liberty community, believe me. Really? What I usually get in the liberty community is it has no intrinsic value. It's a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> it's going to go to zero. You're yeah. better off with gold. And the person telling me I'm better off with gold has no gold. 
<laughs> they have no gold and they have no money and they're angry because they could have spent $5 on Bitcoin in 2014 and had, you know, $10,000 today and they didn't do it. So they're angry. <laughs> I can't really speak to the people in the Liberty community with the problem you mentioned. The ones I've encountered, I think literally just don't understand it. <laughs> and they've, they've decided and they've doubled down for so long. They are now terminally willfully ignorant to how Bitcoin works or to how crypto works. Mm-hmm. They don't get it. If you tell me Bitcoin has no intrinsic value, then you don't even know what intrinsic value means or you don't understand Bitcoin. You you pick one. Wait, they don't understand money. They don't understand money. Well, that starts out because that Because it's like money is like, you know how we paint, you have you have a road and traffic goes two directions and there's yeah. a solid yellow line. Yeah. That solid yellow line and that road is money. The only thing keeping you from a head-on collision is we've agreed to stay on whatever side of that line and different countries stay on different sides of that line, which, yep. which can lead to, but that's the only thing keeping you safe. That is nothing. And it's an agreement. It's, it's an agreement. It's an it's understanding, an right? So it's an agreement. Money is the, the same way. And we, we agree with that yellow line because it makes sense because we can see it and we can understand it and we can yeah. interpret it and we can go, I get this. I'll be on the right side of it here. So yeah. money we agree to because we believe and we agree and we all, it has to have certain characteristics. It has to be hard to or impossible to counterfeit. Right. And other parties have to be willing to accept it. And so if you tell me there's no intrinsic value to Bitcoin, I would say then by your definition, there's no intrinsic value to the dollar. And that person would say, well, there isn't. First of all, you use it. And second of all, you're also wrong. Right. The fact that we've all agreed to use it is the intrinsic value. That is the intrinsic. Whereas with Bitcoin, I actually can explain intrinsic value. There's all those computers that Elon Musk are think, mel- thinks are melting the planet mm-hmm. are providing security for that is the value. Yeah. The value is this the most secure network that humans have ever created ever infinity where you and I can exchange value. And when I send you one Bitcoin, we know that Bitcoin went from, well, not Jack to Nicole, but from my address to your address. It can yeah. only be there. It yeah, can't it. Be, and all those worrying machines all over the world exist to make sure of that one thing. Now, the whole really people in like the liberty community think that Bitcoin is causing human trafficking. Well, they say the only way to control, to get rid of these nefarious things in the world is to get rid of that human trafficking and ransomware attacks and literally like big intellectuals who I used to work with. And I'm like, what? So my question would be, did we have, did we have human trafficking in 2010? Yeah. Oh, so we use Bitcoin then? Because I think it was invented in 2011. I'm pretty sure of that. Right. Right. So then if we take away something because it leads to something and that something exists before the thing we take away, you kind of can see how it's still going to be there. It's kind of like the only way to control terrorism is to crack down on banking. And require all this, you know, cause you know, all these extra layers we've had. AMA, like, KYC, all yeah, this shit. Like, right? Yeah. Like you spend more than whatever, 10,000 bucks. It's like you have to go through a criminal background check and all this other shit just to get your money somewhere. It's hard to buy a house because of that. Now I will give you that I personally think it does make ransomware easier to execute. It does. Right. But that, you know, if I, um, 
if I lock your computers up and you're willing to give me seven million dollars to get them unlocked, and I say wire this money to this bank account number in you know yeah. some some Jabitville, you'll do that too. I, I'm sure things like that happened. I, I I would say it probably does make it more difficult to defend against like a ran. But the, the 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 solution to a ransomware attack is not let's shut down the ability to pay to the ransom. Let's like figure out how to stop the attack. Like these well, attacks can be. Like yeah, this this seems ridiculous to me that these companies can be so easily shut down. Like you know, and again, we keep hearing about these hacks, and they're not generally hacks the way、mm-hmm. we think of. Some idiot somewhere downloaded Somebody clicked something. On something. Yeah, yeah, I get I, those emails all the time. It's like, hey, you know, in my contact form, you know, click on this to get whatever. Hot, sexy porn pictures, or whatever yeah, it is that they're trying yeah, yeah. to pitch my way. I'm like, if there's a link in an email that comes to me, it gets deleted out of hand unless it's very obviously, you know, somebody responding to this podcast or mine saying, "And my website is." It, yeah, I mean, yeah. most of them are like, "When you get your bank account, your bank account has been locked. Click here to re-verify." Yeah, like, like nobody sends that shit, but. There's an old saying in the whole web security space, and it's there's no patch for stupid. There's、yeah. no there's no patch for stupid. Like when you have a a weakness in your software, you can make a patch for it, and then you can roll that out on your network, and then you're less likely to be exploited. But you can't fix stupid. There was a company that was trying to get a contract to up the security. Of some other company,、mm-hmm. and they said, "Well, we can prove to you that it's not even hard to get into your network." <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "Well, okay, do that, but you you have to agree like if you're right and we're wrong, you can't hurt anything."、Mm-hmm. So what they did is they went to several different locations of this company, and they put a little script on a USB drive、mm-hmm. and just threw them in the driveway. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. And several locations out of like it was like ten, and like five of the ten, some employee was like, "Huh, wonder what this is." Like took it inside and installed <laughs> it on his computer without, like you know, and it's just like I had a bunch of pictures you could look at, and he's trying to figure out, like who here, who's who's drive is this, so I can give it back. But、yeah. there's like a background application running the entire time, and like so then they had this, they're like, "Yeah, we can," show, and they had like five of the ten locations they were able to not actually. Penetrate, but show that they could have、right. penetrated, and like I'm like, okay, great, you proved that, but how do you fix that? Like, is your plan to like have people's fingers cut off if they insert USB drives? Like, I mean, what is <laughs> remove all USB ports you know, from all the computers. computers? You have to have a special training course to have a USB port on your computer. Question <laughs> <laughs> one. Is it okay to take a USB drive of unknown origin you found in the parking lot and insert it into your computer? Think carefully before you answer. And if you answer yes, it doesn't say you failed. It just says, "Please see HR. You've been terminated." <laughs> I think I would include that question in the hiring process. Yeah. You find a USB drive in the parking lot. Do you, you a <laughs> step on it and destroy it? B Turn it into security. C. Leave it there. D. Insert it into your computer. C and D are wrong. Yeah. Because <laughs>、like, if you leave it there, somebody else is going to pick it up. And don't give it to security either. They're stupid too, right? <laughs> like stomp it, get rid of it. Like it just no. I. And it's funny because there's an altruistic 
motivation to find who that belongs to underneath it all. The funny thing about those is that was somebody trying to help somebody. Yeah. Most of the time. They, yeah. they didn't think they were getting top secret bank account information off the USB drive. I have to admit, yeah. I would probably find some piece of shit unnetworked computer yeah. to see what was on it out of curiosity. But I wouldn't take it inside my secured network <laughs> at my employer and stick it in there. Cause all I, it could be a Trezor. There could be Bitcoin on it. Like, I don't <laughs> know what's on there, man. You know, but like, I'm not going to put it even on my, on my MacBook linked into my network. You know? Yeah. I, I wouldn't do that, but people will. So I, I don't think like, so if you didn't have the ability to ask for Bitcoin, that's not going to stop hacking. No, they're going to ask for something else. I mean, every third movie from the 1980s was about hacking. Yeah. Right. I mean, war games, right? Like there was like, everybody always wanted to hack. Like, so that's going to continue on what people are going to ask for just will be different. So you have a hacking problem, not a Bitcoin problem. You have a child trafficking problem. You don't have a Bitcoin problem. Right. And I think that's where people forget the core. If you fix the core underlying thing, and like I've, I've just started working with a functional medicine doctor who's looking at the core underlying issue rather than symptoms. Yeah. It's the same thing, right? Where we're, we're using this one tool that doesn't fix the problem. You're never going to fix the problem. Correct. Well, and isn't this the same shit that like, wouldn't those same people say that Joe Biden's an idiot? When he says we don't have a crime problem, we have a gun problem. When those same people say the same yeah. thing, that's stupid. You know, like here's all the crime up. Yeah. The gun crime up is up, but it's actually less up than like people getting the shit beat out of them, people getting carjacked, people getting kidnapped, people getting stabbed. We don't have a violence problem. We have a gun violence problem. No, well. yeah, we do have a violence problem. Yeah, we have a violence it's, problem. It's interesting after locking people down for a while how there are frustrations are coming to the surface. And I see a lot more. I haven't looked at statistics on this, Jack. I don't know if you've seen this, but we've had like weird kidnappings. Oh, yeah. Thefts, like all this weird stuff happening in my little rural community. And it's worse in the city. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, not a gun problem. That's that's a violence problem. That's a you mental know, health problem. You know Doc Bones and Nurse Amy, right? Doom and Bloom yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah, and all. of course. So Amy's one daughter is in Chicago right now. Mm-hmm. She's doing internship, something to do with her career advancement, and she's really excited about it, but she's afraid to go anywhere because people are getting carjacked left and right in Chicago right now. Right. Where there's like that. super gun control, like, and but it's Indiana's fault because Indiana sells AR-15s. Now nobody's getting carjacked with an AR-15 <laughs> from Indiana. But the weapons of war is. If it, it happens it, one time, though, that's, oh that's international God. news. Yep. yep. Yeah. AR-15s are terrible for robbing people. They're they're they're, they're big, big and visible. Right? You know, yeah. a gun you can hide and stick in somebody's face, a handgun. And of course, you know, growing up in the '80s, that's what they were trying to get rid of back then. They wanted to get rid of handguns mm-hmm. and. Boy, they sure milked that Reagan thing when that happened. Like, and you're, you know, you're back down yeah. to how did you let a guy walk up with a freaking revolver to the president of the United States and get that many shots off without getting plugged? There's your problem. There's mm-hmm. your problem. Not the fact that like, you know, the guy could get a gun. And I, I would also say most of these were, were kind of off topic, but most yeah. of these crimes oh, yeah. are committed with guns that were illegal for the person that had them to own them in the first place. Right. So yeah. you couldn't prevent the person from getting the gun that wasn't supposed to have the gun. Cause last I checked, felons are not supposed to have guns. And most of these people are prior felons. 
So you can't keep the bad guy from getting the gun. So the solution is take away the guy, the good guy's gun. So because you can't stop hacking, you want to take away my Bitcoin. Because you can't stop child trafficking, you want to take away my Ethereum. Right. I, I, I don't it see It doesn't make as, sense. I, yeah. Well, I don't see the argument as any different. It isn't. And that's why I'm surprised. Absolutely isn't. That's why I'm surprised it's in the Liberty community. I, I didn't know this. I, I've no. always gotten the, you know, the, and, and the reason I think you get this is that these people breathed in the gold is money argument for so long. They can't see that times they are a change. And in the words of Bob Dylan, right? They mm-hmm. can't, they can't grasp this. And it's really like you said, some of them are really smart, smart intellectuals. Like I think Peter Schiff is a brilliant economist. Yep. Cannot pull his head out of his ass. What right. There, there, there was some chatter on that in comments that was less polite than what you just said. Okay. So, yeah. He's a dumbass when it comes to cryptocurrency. Yeah. But I don't think he's a dumbass in general. Uh, Gerald Salente, less of an economist, more of a futurist. Dumbass about cryptocurrency. Does not understand it. When mm-hmm. I had him on my show, I told his assistant, I'm like, I'll talk to him about anything he wants, but it's probably in his best interest that we don't talk <laughs> about cryptocurrency because yeah. it's not going to, it's, and I, I don't mind. I'll do it, but I'm not going to let you say stupid shit and not point out why it's stupid. So, you know, it's up to you, but I would just avoid that. And they did. They decided like they didn't want to go there. Yep. yep. Let's not do this because yeah. when you tell me it has no intrinsic value. I'm going to explain why it does. You know, and you're going to look dumb and I don't want to do that to you. But like, I think these older people and if it's not all older people that feel this way, but if no, if that's their champion, if you're a 25 year old, but Peter Schiff is your champion for economics mm-hmm. and Peter Schiff says gold is only gold is money, then only gold is money. And so I've got a lot of that, but I have not heard from that community. I didn't even know. Well, that community, as a result of... So you still talk to libertarians. I do, as a result of the la- And libertarian economists, right? Yeah. As a result of the last um, 18 months, I'm trying not to say words that get you strikes on your channel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they also were in charge... They were some subset, not all of them. There was a subset that was just pro-mandates, pro-lockdowns, pro... Yeah. Government, like they went completely the opposite of what a libertarian should be wanting in this really? situation. Yes. Yeah. I was not, I was no more disappointed in the entire liberty movement, think tank movement as watching the reaction to this out of fear. And hmm. the ones who stand out to me are the ones who were suing the government for overreach. Like my friend over at the, Ohio was Ohio Center for Constitutional Law. He was suing the crap out of the government to open business and and free people because it was an overreach. And what I saw from most of the people I used to work with was silence or worse. Why, in this case, it's justified because people might die. (laughs) Self-responsibilities went out the window. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess making the full shift to anarchy and pissing off all the minarchists that followed me paid off. Yeah. That I didn't have to do. I didn't know, man. Or yeah. maybe like when I see them, I don't even consider that that person might be a libertarian because you're not. You're, if you are for locking people in their homes. Right. You are not a libertarian. 
Do not. You can't be a libertarian and be for locking people in their homes. It doesn't work. I and think you you could you could be a libertarian and say, what we're going to do, we're going to create a place you can go to if you want to to be isolated. You can get tested. You go through like stages of quarantine, and then you can be in with other people like a prison. And if you want to go there because you want to be safe, so everybody else can live their life, we'll set that up for you. Yeah. And if you want to voluntarily be locked up in lockup land, in lockup land, and we'll even bring Amazon to you. Yeah. You can do that, and you can be a libertarian. Telling me who is healthy, I have to stay in my home because I could still have virus in my nasal pharynx, right? If that's your position, then you are not a libertarian. No. No. It just doesn't work. So, I mean, I I admire the ones who were like, I'm going to sue the crap out of the government. And, you know, that person's getting a check from me at the end of the year for their organization because they actually stuck to their principles, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I it for me, it just solidified my choice to leave that world because it wasn't real. And, no. and and it made me kind of sad that I put 14 years of my life into it. But whatever, whatever. Yeah, there's the thing. I don't even know what movie it's from, but the one astronaut has the gun pointed at the other astronaut's head. Yeah, and it must have been from some movie. He said it wasn't real, never was. And it's been used so much. Yeah. And like that seems like they aren't real. Never libertarians never were. I mean, like that's <laughs> I. Wow. Yeah, I, see, I, I knew all that shit happened. I didn't know that any of it came from people calling themselves libertarians. Maybe that's because, like, even when I do know libertarians, I know libertarians, not libertarians. Right. Not, not big L, LP. Like, you know, and I ran for um, Texas State House right. as a libertarian in, like, 06 or something like that. And occasionally I still get, you know, emails like, are you ready to help out again, Jack? No. No. <laughs> no. Sorry. Nope. And I even got the one guy that knows me, like he emailed me. He didn't really know what I was doing with the podcast. He just knew me personally from mm-hmm. my LP days. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so what, what What happened? Did you go over and become a Republican? Are you following Trump or whatever? I'm like, dude, I'm a fucking anarchist. <laughs> and he was like, oh, like he was like telling somebody that like, I don't know, like it's 1950 and you're telling your dad you're gay. <laughs> like, What? No, not yeah. that. Like, you know, oh, my God, how could you ever do this? You know, I was like, what do you mean, how could I ever do this? Like, all I am is a pure version of what you claim to yeah, be. Yeah, I just think you, like, full 100% take responsibility. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't, like, fucking hurt people. Because I'm of a different mindset now than even I was when this started. When this started, I was like, you know, if there's a bad enough disease, kind of a quarantine is all that you can do. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I don't care if it's fucking airborne Ebola. You don't lock people down. You just don't do it. You, if you, you take sick people, sure. You might lock yourself down. You, and I, that's the other thing. Like, if it was airborne Ebola, there's other places I can be from here. And yeah, I'm, I'm not, there I'm not going ain't. out there. But I'm staying in the holler. You ain't happens. coming in here, right? No, yeah. I'll, you know, mm-hmm. they'll be, you know, I'll be out there with freaking hazmat <laughs> suits spraying down the Amazon truck when I pick my shit up. <laughs> if that happens, but. I don't want to lock anybody else up over it. And there is a point of like, you know, man, people that I, I look at like our buddy Steve that just passed away, right? Like, yeah, the fact that, that he said, if, if he, imagine if he had been afraid. Yeah. You know, he passed away a few weeks ago now. He was in his late seventies. He had multiple kidney transplants. I think two at least. 
Mm-hmm. He had multiple cardiac events. He was the guy that if he got COVID, he was probably going to die. He was going to die. Yeah. Right. Two and weeks before your last workshop, he was at it. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. was in the hospital and then he was at your workshop. Yeah. He right? was, yeah. He, he went, had heart surgery a, a, a month before. Two weeks later, had to go back in the hospital for some court of correction. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, he's hanging out with 80 people drinking booze. Yeah. And you know, he said, I ain't afraid to die. You know, he's, I had 20 years that are just, Bonus time. So he lived that last year of his life the way he wanted to. He did recently pass away, but he passed away of a stroke. Mm-hmm. Like So if he had stayed a shut-in he for the last year of his nobody. life, how sad is that? Yeah. I did a whole podcast on that. I didn't know we, you did. I'm just sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was um, – I'll send you the link. But it was the biggest lesson out of COVID I've gotten is live your life. You have to. Because of him. I got a hug from Steve last November at your workshop because that dude wasn't afraid to hug me. No. Because I'm not hazmat. Yeah. Yeah. And and we were exposed to that virus there. Yeah, we were because we had several people that reported being positive after going home. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't get it there. No one got really sick, though. It's probably because there was so much Q-certain in zinc. Yeah. It was like, you know. We also washed our hands. We washed our hands, you yeah. know, and we didn't swap spit or anything, you know. <laughs> no, like, I certainly didn't. <laughs> we, you know, well, our, our entirety of the COVID protocol for that workshop was we didn't pass the bottle of Jenner out. Yeah. And, and we no could have. We could have. We just would have had cups, and then there would have been 80 cups out by the fire, and that would have been a pain in the ass. So we just yeah. – Skip the gin. And this year yeah. we're passing the freaking gin. I, uh, you know, you don't want it. Don't drink it. You know, maybe we'll, instead of passing gin, I'll, because we, we pass for people that don't know, we pass a bottle of gin around yeah. the Sapphire Bombay. Cause one of my best friends in the world who taught me about barter blanket, mm-hmm. um, that was his favorite drink and he passed away years and years ago. And in his honor, I always pass a bottle before we start barter blanket. So what we could do is I'll just get Everclear, mm-hmm. put a couple drops of blue food coloring in it. <laughs> we pass that around. Let everybody take a sip out of that. We ain't getting no COVID from that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or, you know what I did at mine? Cause we don't pass gin. We pass bourbon, um, in, in memory of the person who does my barter blankets father passing away. Okay. So it was sort of, it's, you know, we stole, we stole our ideas from you on a regular basis. And this year we passed the bottle and it was like, if you want to drink from it, drink from it. If you don't, don't. But yeah. a lot of people just had their own cup anyway. Yeah. So they just poured in their cup and drank and it worked fine. So, and with that, I've lost Jack on the feed. So I'm live. Uh, it's funny that we get to right here because what we were going to close on today is a quote from one of our other goose members, Xavier Hawk. Somebody brought up the sex pistols in the comments. Um, I've wanted to start pulling quotes from different Goose members, and the quote that we pulled for today was, Liberty is the new punk. So, and I see, Jack, you're back now. I was. I don't know what happened, but I thought I, I, I thought the whole thing crashed, but it just. I, I was going to just close the show for you, yeah, but no. um, it's funny that we get here because yeah. uh, somebody in the, somebody in the comments brought up the Sex Pistols when we brought up Anarchy. Okay. And I'm like, this is perfect because I want to have a quote from one of the Goose members, you know, at the end of each show. And I'm bringing up the quote from Xavier Hawk, Liberty is the new punk. 
Well, what do you, what are your thoughts when you hear that? Like, what what did you think the first time you heard Xavier say Liberty is the new punk? I think he's very effectively ripping off what's the British dude's name, um, Paul Joseph Watson. Mm-hmm. So not so long ago, Paul Joseph Watson started saying Liberty was the new something counterculture. Yeah, counterculture, and I think that's where X is coming from as well. And I'm not going to say he's ripping them off, but it, it feels that way. And I think what he really means is that not so long ago, the counterculture disagreed with the media, disagreed with corporate America, yep. and disagreed with the government. That was the counterculture. And that was largely the Democrats, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the, and I'm, when I say the Democrats, I'm talking 1970s. Right. If you think of the time of anti-war and protests, right, that was the left and that was the young left. Right. And that's where a lot of the punk music came from. Right. Like if you think of, I'm talking old punk now, real punk, like before Green Day turned to the, the punk yeah, old, dark side. Old right. Punk like what I used to listen to. Oh, yeah, like yeah. screaming freaking like punk, like uh, mm-hmm. remember the Star Star Trek movie, the one where they went back to save the whales or whatever and the dude is on the kind of there's a dude he's got like a ghetto blaster it's so old and he's on this bus and he's like and like the song's like i hate you yeah i berate you like it was just like like that like and that whole counterculture was based on rebellion Mm -hmm. right it was based on rebellion and now the people that fancy themselves as being counterculture Agree with big media, big pharma, big corporations, and big government. And they think that they're the resistance. So the people that are actually for freedom and liberty are the new counterculture. We're the new punks. We're the new renegades. And like you and I, Nicole, we're the freaking old farts in this this game. You know, some other geese are all younger than us. I know. X is the closest to us. The rest of these guys are like in their late 20s, early 30s and shit. We're like 20 years older than them. Right. And then this Gen Z, I guess they're calling it like apparently the youngest of the young that after the millennials, they're all turning like they're almost going like back to their great grandparents era, like with fashion and everything. They're all into like floral sundresses and shit, which is great for the girls, you know. Yeah. Like So I think that that's like the new resistance is actually liberty. That's what I think he's going at. Yeah. And uh, when I heard him say that. I, I emailed him and I, or I told him, I was like, that is the best quote I've heard in a long time. Uh, but it's also the old punk. Oh, that's the thing. Liberty is the old punk. If I, and, and it's funny that you're sitting here on the show with me. I was a punk. <laughs> you're I also was, a communist though. I was a communist at one point, <laughs> but I was a punk, right? You're and a punk communist. I was a punk communist. And if I, it, it's funny as I look back at my other punk friends, Growing up, just like old school, early teen punk friends, where they are now, you know, pushing into our late 40s. And they're libertarian or liberty oriented Hmm. or anarchists. Almost all of them have ended up in this, you know, gone through the 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 trials and tribulations of becoming a communist or a socialist or not. And then ending up back at. Screw it. You can't give authority to all those those people of power because they will abuse it and they will abuse you. And fuck it. We're punks. Hmm. And they just it just has different ramifications. And they hear me talk 
And they don't know I'm an anarchist, right? Yeah. Wow, you sound kind of like you might be open to this new idea I had about anarchy. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh, really? This new oh, idea? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> let me this tell you about this new podcast idea. I'm on. Yeah, yeah. So it, it it's almost like it's gone full circle, where punk became hip. When punk became hip, it started becoming culture, not counterculture. Yeah, yeah. Now it's counterculture again. Yeah. Right. We're not, we're not doing Green Day. No. Right. No. And I actually like Green Day. Yeah. I'll, I'll admit it. I was never big into the old punk scene, right? I, I like Green Day. I feel like, well, they turned their back on the punk scene. Like they made yeah. millions of dollars. I understand why. Hey, you know? Money helps with freedom. Yeah. <laughs> money helps with freedom. And I, you know, I get, but, but see, I guess if, if like, if Chris Stapleton started doing rap music, I'd be kind of pissed. I, so I understand. <laughs> How, how people felt about yeah. that, I guess. Yeah. But I do think there is something to like liberty being the new counterculture. And I think the goal has always been to control the youth. Mm-hmm. The problem is the youth will always gravitate to whatever the counterculture is. Yeah. So the reason you were a communist in the counterculture is the culture was anti-communist. So you actually wanted freedom, but you got to fight the people that are in power that are saying, you know, we're capitalists, so well then I guess I need to be. A yeah, well that's not working, so let's see. Because I just wanted to help people. Uh, I, I just eventually realized communism does not help people. You so, you, you yeah. saw the death toll of 110 million people over the last hundred years and went. No, that, that's probably not good. No, I saw that later, but oh, yeah, okay, it was it, it became <laughs> apparent before I had to look, and then I was like, oh yeah. You ever see the cartoon and it's like all these skulls and shit all yeah. over the place and it, yeah. the one skull says that wasn't real communism and the other skull's like, shut the fuck up. I have, I think it says like, shut up Pete or something like that. You know, like, shut up Pete. You know, I have a friend. He's not an anarchist, but we should maybe think about getting yeah. him on the show. No, but he, he grew up in, in, um, you know, a Slavic communist environment. Okay. And was like head of the communist youth club at his school. Ooh. And then moved here. Yeah. And was like, screw that. This is the great place to be and completely changed his perspective. And he's probably one of those people that's like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Do you not see what you're doing here? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he'd be from a professional standpoint, if we could get him on the show, we might have to do uh. one of those like, he wears a hood over his head. Blackout. He has He's, a different name. And put a and we modulator. Call him a girl. Yeah. So we don't get him fired like I got the guy yeah. fired a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. 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 I think, I think, you know, the Agris tax advice guy's doing okay since we talked about getting him fired. Yeah. 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 Jackasses. Liberty's the new punk. Liberty is the new punk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's been a fun show, Jack. Uh, I don't feel like we need to pitch our shows, but guys, no. if, if you want to, Help the podcast. Share this episode with friends if you think it was a good one. And that's at UnloosetheGoose.com. We're starting to use StreamYard so we can go to different places at one time. I'll see if I can work with Jack to get us on our Odyssey channel next time. But thanks for joining in. And Jack is in charge of signing us off. So that whenever you want. We're going to roll out now. And uh, thanks to everybody that was uh, here tonight. Yeah. Honk. Honk, honk. Unloose the goose. We'll take no abuse. Your paradigm's run out of.
use. Unloose the goose. 